Good morning, good afternoon, wherever you are. This is Chris, I'm down on Bondi Beach, and of all the audios that I've had to produce for this 30-day challenge, this one uh, confronts me the most, leadership. The reason it confronts me is not because it's hard, but because it's incredibly um, <coughs> personal. I have so many stories and examples of how leadership works and how leadership fails and what you lead depends on how you behave and how you behave depends on what you lead. I've got so many examples to share that it's really complicated, but let's, let's try to peel the word leadership down and find out what really goes on uh, at, a, at a level that we can control. First things first, and that is uh, to say Leadership is about relationship. All leadership is about relationship. How people relate to you, how you relate to people. So ultimately, you can integrate or take anything you learn about relationship and cross it over into the word leadership. What does that mean then? Well, it means if you don't understand another person, you can't lead them. So understanding human nature is becomes a critical variable in in the path of leadership it also becomes critical variable that you understand yourself because you can only understand others to the degree you understand yourself if you understand human nature in another human being it's only because you understand human nature in yourself the way we study humanity is to study self it doesn't work the other way around. By studying humanity, we don't learn about self. In fact, we do the opposite. By studying humanity and how people tick and what makes the world go round for them, we hide away from studying ourselves. So all leadership is about relationship. The people, therefore, you lead in a, in a business environment you are trying to lead the individual, but you are never talking in a business environment to an individual. After 40 years of coaching people all over the world, what I can honestly say is this. Self-sufficiency is very rare. Self-sufficiency is very rare. And although you need to be self-sufficient as a leader, the people you'll be talking to have their partner's hand up their bum and moving their mouth. So, or their family, hand up their bum and moving their mouth. So most people will, if you say, oh, I think you should have, uh, let's say for example, green hair, they will go home and discuss it with somebody at home. That person who's totally unqualified from a business side of things, maybe unqualified from a financial side of things, unqualified from a leadership side of things, will give an opinion. That opinion is elevated to the top of the thing because we all want to have a relationship at home too. And so we're very rarely talking to an individual. And although individuality is measured in the workplace as your uh, Maya Briggs profile or whatever, it's very rare that you're actually talking to that profile. You're talking to a culmination of that profile, plus the profile of a spouse, plus the profile of an extended family, and plus the profile, if the person has a religious following, of that following. So you're very rarely talking to 
the person. Only under extreme stress do you get to talk to the person. You, you get to talk to an individual when they're under what we call in the, in the spiritual world, we call it suffering. When a person's suffering, you're talking to them. That's easy. But very rarely at work are you leading suffering people. You're usually leading people who want to be uh, away from suffering and they're doing everything they can to avoid it, you, of which you're a part. <laughs> so let's put that on the table. And the next thing I want to put on the table is power. Um, if you go back and study the concepts of leadership in years gone by, you would understand that, number one, in a business, if you pay a person, if you're the one who determines someone's salary, you have a lot of power. And you are therefore called the leader. The person with the checkbook rules the roost. That's number one. So if you're not paying somebody, you just lost some of your power as a leader. Number two, the culture and the values of the business. If you don't dictate the culture and the values of the business, in other words, you're in, you have to be in compliance with uh, certain rules and regulations set by a rule book created by arm's length HR individuals, values statements and culture statements and behavioral statements. If you're, you have to be in compliance with that and the people you're working with have to be in compliance with that, you just lost another power. So as we filter away power, you get more and more compromised because no longer are you dealing with a person from a leadership, from true leadership, you're now dealing with a person in, in a bubble. And in that bubble, you're going to be talking about encouraging people who are quite diverse to do what you want. Who can say, I don't like you, and therefore I don't want to do what you want. Which is not leadership at all. It's now become cajoling or uh, manipulating or trickery or a game playing, an emotional game playing. So I, I just want to say really clearly in the process of what we're going to deal with today in leadership, but please don't underestimate it. And please don't expect have to greater expectations of yourself in an environment where some of the power of a leader has been stolen and incubated away from you so that you just get left with a moral high ground, a moral agenda. Uh, the threat of dismissal, the threat of firing is gone. So in great leadership, 20% of the people in your team would be fired every year to keep the team fresh, keep bringing in new blood, bringing in new energy, bringing in new vitality, and bringing in sort of an, an, engage, an encouragement for those who are there to raise the bar. But of course, that's not the way it is. People get tenure and it's hard to fire them and you get into legal disputes if you fire people, but 20% of your team needs to leave the business every year by, by dismissal by your own. We've got a helicopter in the back, a police helicopter doing their thing for the COVID. <clears throat> so I hope that's not disturbing the microphone at all. They've got leadership by authority. <coughs> if they tell me what to do, I have to do what they tell me. The next 
thing we need to talk about is the fact that uh, diverse people are diverse and not everybody's same. Not everybody's what you call medium. We, we judge people as we judge ourselves and we, the people who are listening to this podcast, in the majority are pretty sane. We wouldn't be listening to the podcast about leadership or studying this topic in the 30-day challenge if we didn't have our head on pretty much uh, straight. So we're an elite group. So I'm not, I'm preaching to the converted in as much that <coughs> you're already, <coughs> you've already uh, isolated yourself in a sense from the, from the crazy. But the world is crazy and it's very diverse. I live in Bondi, I can promise you that. It's part of the joy of it. And just because someone, and, 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 and it's really interesting to note that most of the people we call the crazies in Bondi who are behaving in ways that we uh, call antisocial or, or uh, that, you know, living on the beach or living under trees or, uh, and we all get to know these people and they, they get free cups of coffee and food and the police turn a blind eye to their existence, most of them are incredibly intelligent. Incredibly intelligent. There's mathematicians, rocket scientists who are just misfit. And some of these people in your team deliver some of the greatest work that behave in some of the strangest ways. And how you deal with someone who delivers the greatest work but behaves in the strangest ways, how you deal with that without encouraging everyone to emulate that person and therefore make it the norm in the group and yet bring the talent of that individual into the group. That's a relationship that requires incredible talent. So bringing this down and the reason I did this podcast down on the beach with the police helicopter and the waves and the sand and uh, the beauty of the surf and everything is because, <clears throat> to be honest with you, it's so damn complicated that I find it uh, almost revolting to talk about it in a room in my office. I had to come out to nature to, to speak to you heart to heart about leadership. If you took all of the ashrams and the temples and the monasteries and the workshops that I've done, all the zendos, all the study of Zen and uh, uh, yoga and uh, Buddhism and all the monasteries I've been to around the world and you compress them and compressed the benefits of my uh, attendance at all those places sometimes uh, you know First Nation indigenous environments sweat lodges uh, Sundance all of the things I've done in my career vision quests you compress them into a day you would have leadership in a corporate environment. You would have leadership in a corporate environment. There is no greater ashram on the planet than a business. Firstly, you're confronted by people you don't understand. That makes you grow because to lead them, you have to understand them. Secondly, and most importantly, any reaction you have to anything as a leader 
completely takes your power as a leader away. All react, anything you react to, you can't lead. And so the same teaching is in an ashram. Anything you react to, you can't love. Anything you react to, you can't love. If you're attracted to it, you're not loving it. And if you repel from it, you're not loving it. Anything that triggers you in any form whatsoever, you can't lead. And now we understand why in the business environment, leadership is so corrupt. Why people manipulate and twist and use all sorts of tools and, and uh, threats and all sorts of games and things because instead of learning to accept and love and not react to people, we try to change them. We say, this person's giving me the shit, uh, I need to fix them. This person's suffering from something, I need to help them. And as a leader, the instant you hear yourself saying, I've got to help, I've got to fix, I've got to cajole, I've got to motivate, I've got to do something to somebody, or I should, or I shouldn't, or I should, or I shouldn't, you've reacted. And as soon as you've reacted, you're not a leader anymore. You're a follower. This is a massive, massive awakening to realize that actually the word leadership is the word spiritual. That at the end of the day, you can't give what you haven't got. So if you're not engaged in the concept of spirituality, which is broadening your understanding and, 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 and in a negative sense, double negative, not reacting, that defines you as the greatest leader. A leader is competitive. It wants to win. It knows that there is a, with all spirituality, that ends up being, it's not like religion, but it's all spiritual, ends up being the need to have a purpose bigger than yourself. Why? Because it gives you a target for your competition. Why? Not why, what's my moral, religious um, uh, code taught to by professional speakers on your LinkedIn profile? No, that's just religion repackaged into corporatized life, trying to manipulate people who, who are lost in space. So self-awareness, studying yourself, which is what you do in an ashram, in a, in, in a zendo, studying yourself and helping to understand what makes you tick leads to the awareness of what makes others tick. And the more you realize that you are a broad spectrum human being that has a multitude of qualities. In fact, if you study it long enough, you'll realize that you have every single trait on earth. And the only people you react to are the ones who demonstrate traits you don't like in yourself. I'll end up this speech, this introduction on the beach to this topic of leadership by saying this. The person with the greatest certainty leads. And when we say certainty, we're not talking about the certainty of hard-headed military uh, stance. We're not talking about the certainty of life and death in a, a prison camp. We're not talking about 
of jail. We're talking about a place where people are free to come and go and, and they are attracted to confidence. The confidence is not fraudulent. And the question's going to be, is what does is, what is that certainty, that confidence look like? Let's just talk about that before I close off. Number one, certainty is a conviction, a commitment. You'll do what you say you'll do. You'll lead people somewhere. And you'll pay any price. Do whatever you have to do and travel anywhere to do it. What that means, therefore, is that your values hierarchy, which means all the seven areas of life, need to be in place to such a degree that they're not competing with your commitment. It's a big ask, isn't it, leadership? Second part of certainty. The person with the greatest certainty leads. The second part of certainty is that you need to have um, a sense of enduring enduring resilience to stay on track and not get uh, off not for even 10 minutes because people feel certainty it's not it can't be written you can't speak it it doesn't come out of your mouth it doesn't come from what you write on a piece of paper certainty is something that sits inside you it comes from your heart certainty the third thing about certainty is that you can know that you know that you know you can overcome all obstacles. That they can't possibly deliver to you something you can't usurp. Uh, a leader might get put on the front page of the newspaper as saying, this leader is, is bad, you know, they did something wrong. And you have to be able to say in that moment, hmm, I still have certainty, even though the environment around me has great uncertainty, I still have certainty that I'm doing what I'm here to do, that I said I'd do. To do that, to have certainty, you need to understand how things work. If you were playing a game of chess, as an example, and you didn't know the rules of the game and someone said, are you certain you're going to win? You go, yeah. But that's just adrenaline and aggression and, and macho. But the, the thing would be, you're just being uh, buffoon, bravado. And certainty has nothing to do with bravado. Certainty is knowing the game of chess so damn well and knowing your competitor so damn well that you can do what you say you can do, win. And you can sniff when people are using bravado and... and uh, machoism or whatever you call it adrenaline to mask the fact that they don't know if they can do it and if you don't know that you can do it you can't lead you can only manage it's called leadership from behind the person who can implement plan B the fastest is the leader that leads you to a whole lot of understandings that the leader isn't someone who has a singular track, but is adaptable, flexible, and has experience enough to say, well, this is where we're going. 
but has in the back of their mind, that's what I'm committed to, that's my commitment, that's where I'm taking it. But if shit happens, I've got another plan in the back of my head. And that's hard because one of the things that makes it easy to stay on track in life is a singular path. And therefore having a plan B for some people feels like it's a weakness. But it's not. It's, you take the worst case scenario, you have a plan to implement in case it happens, and then you forget the worst case scenario and get on with the job. There's so much more to leadership, and I would love to discuss that with you over the next uh, four or five uh, uh, audio sessions that are written below, that are presented below. I'm gonna break leadership down, because what I'm breaking down is actually self-awareness, self-determination. When you go to work each day, does someone have their hand up your back? Or have you cleared the deck inside your home, done what is what would you you would think is the right thing done what you would call 10 out of 10 done uh, your duties have the seven areas of life in balance and are therefore free or do you have to go home and ask the opinion of someone who's not qualified to give you an opinion about what you're leading should i and shouldn't i what should i do what job should i take and you ask your partner and your partner has not qualified to answer that question because they're biased. They have to be biased. If they're not biased, they're not your partner. They want you to win. Self-awareness, self-determination is the number one asset. And self-determination does not come from a blind commitment to a journey Self-determination comes from knowing yourself beyond yourself. And it never stops. The growth of that path, the journey along self-awareness, self-determination, is why monks live in monasteries and why yogis live in ashrams. It never stops. Not even after death. So the journey of continual search of the self and continually stumbling and getting up again, the journey and the ability and the willingness and the appetite to do that and turn up in life always one step ahead of everybody you lead, one step ahead of everybody you lead and not reacting to what they're reacting to so that you're like a rock that they can trust. This, this is the foundation of leadership. And last but not least, before I close off the intro, brand. Because all leadership, as I said at the start, is relationship. And if you can't communicate your vision, if you can't communicate your uh, plan, if you can't communicate and tap into the values of the people you lead, they won't follow, I promise you. So I really want you to enjoy today's uh, teachings on leadership and the rollout of all those teachings into the next two weeks on the 30-day challenge. And enjoy integrating this learning today into your vision tonight. This is Chris. Have a beautiful day.